Alrighty then. This is Good, Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. My name is Nate, and on the air drums over there via Zoom is Charles Chuck Thompson. How's it going today, man? Oh, it's going great. What a what a crazy Monday so far. I've I don't think I've stopped. I find Mondays yeah. are the hardest day to actually do the podcast. Yes, yeah. that is that is true. Mondays slash Tuesdays. If I were to cut out a day of the week, I feel like it would be Tuesday because Monday you really need to recap the weekend just a little bit. You know, you can't wait too late. There's the, the all the important news gets dumped over the weekend when no one's paying attention. So uh, I feel like we'd Is have that to do because Monday. we added another show onto the podcast. It could be because I'm so trying now. to edit 20 interviews right now. Yeah, <laughs> that could be part of it. Yeah, um, which yeah, if you haven't checked out, by the way, we just released the first one on sunday so uh it's that's it's really good what did you Quality yeah did work. you like it man it was great stuff um you, i could have done it better myself but i didn't have the time <laughs> so do you like the, the random music choices and stuff in it oh yeah it was really good it's really set the mood and uh i i liked it a lot that was a you know my vision for the show that's you you hit the nail on the head man <laughs> you hit the nail on the coffin with that one man Sure did. You put it to rest. <laughs> well, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. And if you haven't listened to our new series called The Rehumanizing Project, where we highlight individuals who have political beliefs and we talk about why they have those political beliefs and try to highlight the fact that they're not a terrible person who needs their house to be burned down. If you want to hear about that, then every Sunday when we want to, we'll be releasing a new episode of the rehumanizing project and the most recent one from a guy named brandon means really good really good episode uh brandon was so prepared he he sent and i i don't know he wrote this for us but he sent over like a two-page essay about himself beforehand and let me tell you what guys if you want to step up your interview prep you need to get it up to at least three pages okay because <laughs> uh, that was the most knowledge i ever had going into one of these interviews and man it was nice we're now at a three-page minimum. Yep, three pages all submissions. <laughs> to beat Brandon. And that is why his episode was done first, because I was able to look on this sheet that he already gave me about all these things, and I could put his episode together faster, because I already knew what I was looking for in all of our interviews to pull it together. So, you yeah. know, if you want to get yours out first, put in a little bit of extra effort right there. Well, Nate, you did a good job, man. It's, Thanks, it's, dude. Uh, it's quality. Top notch. Well, the actual podcast. Don't here, expect your pay to increase, but oh no! Well, I mean, I'll just yeah. I'll just write myself a bigger check over here. <laughs> no problem. You don't have to sign them anyway. Doesn't really matter. Exactly. This is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week. When we want to, the numbers are shooting up to the moon, just like KXIN, just flying right up there. Okay, hopefully it doesn't crash back down. Just like KXIN. It doesn't really, I don't really think that's going to happen, but man, have the numbers just been flying, which is good. We have a way, we have a way bigger podcast than what I thought we did. <laughs> so that's, that's good. That's I a was, good thing. I was already happy with the numbers beforehand, how it was growing. And we knew that the, the uh, distributor we were using is not, what is that when they get certified to collect the numbers? I don't remember what that is. 
IACC or something like that. Whatever kind of thing. The one we were using didn't have the certification to pull accurate numbers, and we knew that. And we were hoping that the numbers weren't going to be down when we started getting the real numbers. But no, they're like five times as much already. And we don't even have Spotify going out right now because our Spotify was messed up. The last Spotify episode was like over a week ago. So, Sorry for the Spotify users that aren't going to hear this one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I got it fixed earlier. Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah, I already got it fixed. Look at that. You're on a roll, man. Right in my keep. I'm a, I'm over here just, you know, drowning. Yeah, I know, I know. And and you're on a roll over there. Well, do you want to do the first story you want me to? I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I, it's nice to when you can accomplish things, you know, and you're not running around in circles mm-hmm. and you can check stuff off the list. Doesn't it feel good? It We're does. all about yeah. checking stuff off the list, you know, that, that, hey, that falls into the personal responsibility we talk about. Don't you want to be a real libertarian? Well, there is a way to do that. That's by going to expatmoneyshow.com. That's E-X-P-A-T moneyshow.com where you guys can learn how to live like a true libertarian. So we always talk about these ideas. We talk about the the principles of living like a libertarian. Taxation is theft. And if you truly believe that, well, then there's a way to legally reduce your tax bill. And you can relocate to a peaceful country that doesn't have an aggressive, antagonistic government and military. Learn that from our friend, Mikhail Thurup. We interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. Great guy. And his information is absolutely fabulous. I'm thinking about moving to Panama. If I can convince the lady and my child to do so, then uh, we might just move to Panama. I don't know. I could stream this show from Panama. I know I can. And so um, (laughs) you guys can take advantage of all that information as well by uh, listening to the expat money show, the new episodes every single Friday. We also have a growing forum and Facebook group. So check out expatmoneyshow.com, E-X-P-A-T moneyshow.com. Listen to what he has to say, read his book, get all the information and decide if being a real libertarian is for you, or if you're just going to talk about it. <laughs> you can actually live the life of a libertarian yeah. like Mikhail is. Pretty awesome. Expatmoneyshow.com. All right. Nashville worship protests under investigation after drawing largely unmasked yet peaceful crowd of thousands. They didn't say peaceful. They just said drawing <laughs> largely unmasked crowd of thousands. So they were mostly unmasked crowd. That's what they meant to say. This is from the USA Today. Um, And thanks to the wife for sending me. She's like, oh, did you hear about this? This would be good for the podcast. This is good for the podcast because this is extremely frustrating what's happening right here. Yeah. So from Nashville. What? You got a good wife. I know. I know. Christian worship leader, Sean Foyt. I looked up how to pronounce his name. Don't worry because it is spelled F-E-U-C-H. T F E U C H T, and I decided I should look it up. Which, yeah, because I didn't just want to pronounce the letters as they might look. Sean Foyt hosted a worship protest that is now under investigation by health officials after it drew thousands of people who appeared to be largely without masks Sunday night, mostly unmasked crowd of worshipers. <laughs> How Foyt. large were the people? <laughs> Foyt. The, the, <laughs> They were mostly they were mostly physically fit people, but they were also oh, okay. mostly unmasked. So you know, gotcha. Foyt, who is based in California and has amassed hundreds of thousands of followers across social media, posted a video of the gathering saying the event faced resistance and had three venue changes before landing at the courthouse grounds. He said, "But the church will not be silenced." He said in a tweet, "I saw a video of it. I mean, there are a couple thousand people there. 
mm. like a like any normal outdoor concert, like packed together like normal, which I don't know. I assume they all realized they were standing next to other people. So that's their decision. Uh, he's based in California, but he came to Nashville. He's, okay. I guess he thought there'd be a lower chance of being arrested. But this is one of the best lines right here. <laughs> Videos. This one right here. Or sorry, the next one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go. Oh, yeah. Videos and photos posted by those who attended the event appear to show some people keeping a distance from one another while others crowded together. Nashville did not permit the event. Hmm. I've, I missed that part in the, you know, the First Amendment where you need a permit for gatherings. Yeah, you can. You have the right to protest and peacefully assemble as long as you get a permit. Yeah, that's a, as long that's, as you get permission. And if the government doesn't give you a permit to protest, then you don't have the right to protest. <laughs> it's in the Constitution. Okay, yeah. look it up. Look it up. Nashville officials said Monday morning that his organizers uh, that organizers did not apply for a permit to host the event, which they call they worship protest the entire time. So they're actually doing that smart ass thing that we've all been talking about, did not apply for a permit to host the event and that the Metro Public Health Department is investigating what happened. Oh, God. <laughs> Quote, we have worked very hard to slow the spread of COVID by taking a measured approach to the to protect the community. An email statement from the health department said the health department is very concerned. They changed their status to very concerned by the actions that took place at the event. And we are investigating and will pursue appropriate penalties against the organizer. And that, the, that was on their Facebook status, right? Yeah. Very they changed concerned. their, their mood was worried, was very <laughs> worried <laughs> with, an, with the emoji with a single tear coming down. Looking worried. <laughs> Dr. Alex, Jahangir, leader you uh, that one up, did you? <laughs> yeah, uh, leader of the city's coronavirus task force. Does the coronavirus? Do they have a coronavirus mask force? Because it sounds like that's what they need to do instead. <laughs> Said the concert Sunday was the exact kind of gathering that could damage Nashville's progress against the virus. Uh, one where a bunch of people get together and sing worship songs. We only want the ones where people are screaming things at each other. And burning being, things and burning down. Burning things. This is the kind of protest we were worried about right here. It's the one where peace, peaceful assembly, people are close to each other, singing worship songs, clapping their hands and putting their hands up in the air. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria going on right there. Okay, so Nashville's progress against the virus, which the mayor often describes as fragile. Jahangir said he was it's fragile. So it's Italian. Jahangir said he was unaware of the concert until Monday morning, said it was highly unlikely it was approved by city officials. They keep going on about permits, approved, permit, permission, <laughs> not approved. Oh. Anytime there were a lot of people together without masks, as a quote, I have concerns. And that holds true in this scenario, Jay said. From the pictures I saw online, good Lord, did you see the people wearing masks? <laughs> <laughs> It was a worship protest. Of course yeah. he did. I didn't. That is not helpful to our cause. Jesus is our mask. <laughs> we are covered by the blood. <laughs> That's all the mask we need. Quote, these events that are being held are considered a worship protest. She said on Monday to the Nashville, Tennessee, I'm part of the USA Today Network. Because it's outside. If you want to make up your mind to stand far away or wear a mask, you get to choose. Having an event like that since when do they care about people getting to choose what they get to do with their own lives? I don't understand <laughs> what's going on right now. Quote, yeah. having an event like last night and making a stand as a church, people are going to see that. I want to be part of that. 
Who are we talking about right now? I skipped over one. Where's the name I'm not of this sure person? who that was. Yeah, I don't even no, see them saying who this is. What yeah, the they don't say it. What the hey? It's random, random protester, she but, said. But the experts are weighing in. Expert says gathering outside does not rule out risk. Dr. William Schaffner, a renowned expert on infectious disease at Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt University Medical Center, said the event is all but guaranteed to draw some attendees who were unknowingly infected with the virus. Transmission risk at the event was higher than normal because singing and shouting causes people to exhale more forcefully, which projects contagious droplets farther, he said. Ooh. Mm. Based on the sheer size of the gathering, Schaffner or Schaffner, whichever one, said he could say with 100% certainty that the virus was spread at the event. That's nice scientific method there. That's great. Now... <laughs> Technically, he can, he cannot say with 100% certainty. No. He literally can't. You could I mean, say he can. He, he can say that. He can say the probability is is 100%. He could say that. Probably 99.9%. But unless he tested everyone and found one person, I'm not saying it didn't get spread. I'm just trying to pick apart the words here. Quote, certainly this is against all solid science-based public health advice. Schaefer said, I... I recognize that this is outside, but nonetheless, the virus can spread in large gatherings, even outside. Now, science-based public health advice, I seem to remember this letter going around uh, from doctors saying that the, uh, that the Black Lives Matter cause was, was important enough that it didn't matter whether or not people were gathering in large groups. That the, it didn't the, matter whether or not they got the virus that has a 99.6% survival rate. <laughs> because racism was more dangerous than coronavirus. That was literally what the letter said. Not okay. only that, but I've I've been downtown recently. Have you? Um, no, no, I have. I have. And not. let me tell you, it doesn't look much different <laughs> nice. from from last year. <laughs> I'm, yeah, no, I'm dead serious. <laughs> now the like when I was walking around, the only difference is like the bars are closing at eleven instead of three, so they're closing four hours early. But and there are cops hanging around, and so like if you walk down the sidewalk without a mask, they'll come up to you, which happened to me. I was outside and I was walking up to the bar and uh, I went, I don't go downtown often. I don't really drink often, but I was meeting a friend and it was just interesting because I'm walking like down Broadway and I'm just like, there are so many people here. Yeah. <laughs> Who gives a shit if you're wearing a mask or not? There are so many people down here that just do not care about this virus. And um, you know, well, hey, good for them. That's what freedom's all about. Right. And um, clearly I was, you know, putting my life at risk and I had my mask on, but I went up, sat at the bar and the whole time I was sitting down, I could have my mask off. And that same thing when I went to the movies the other night, we went and saw a, a movie the other night and it was hilarious to me that they said masks are required at all times, unless you're eating or drinking, mm -hmm. which makes no sense by the way, because when you're eating and drinking, you're also, you know, you're also exhaling. A yeah. lot more than you would be if you just were sitting there without a mask on. So yeah. it's it's uh, literally the the whole mask with the restaurants thing is a, an actual virtue signal. Oh, we need to get masks made that say virtue signal on them. That'd yes. be good. That's a good one. I'm writing <laughs> that down. Good. Hold on. And y'all um, can order them. We won't send them out to you. Yeah, you can order them, and we'll let you know. It just depends <laughs> on whether or not we're feeling feeling good about it. And we don't have, like, I don't have our merch here. The, the company fulfills it, so you can't blame it on me too often. 
So anyway, yeah. I'm going to make this virtue signal mask. That'll be a good one right there. But no, it's just a big virtue. Like, who actually thinks that walking in the door, you have to have a mask on, and then you sit at your table that's 10 feet away, and you sit right there, and you can take your mask off, and everything's okay. Everyone knows this is totally fake. <laughs> they yeah. know this. Come on. It's absolutely insane. So this one bothered me, Charles, because all this wordage about this, and... I'm sorry, uh, we've had a whole lot of really big protests around the country. and so Even in Nashville. Everyone knows that if this exact crowd, literally, now we can say this, and it's not even a joke, I'm not making anything up, because we've got some proof right here. If this exact crowd of people got together, and there was someone speaking up on the steps, like there was a band playing up on the steps of, of the uh, courthouse, if there was someone up there speaking and then there were people that were shouting about racism, this article doesn't get written in the way that it is. It's written about the cause itself. Not about, they don't have experts weigh in about how it's still dangerous for people to be close together outside. They don't have anything like that. And then in fact, some of the pictures where people have their hands up, you'd actually just have pictures of the courthouse getting set on fire because that's what actually happened in Nashville, by the way. This this courthouse right here. We've already had large gatherings. People already tried to set the courthouse on fire. Okay, it, it, this this kind of stuff drives me insane. The double standard. It's not even something that we're making up anymore. You're literally seeing what's going on. No one's investigating the the massive Black Lives Matter protest that happened the other weekend. No one is because you can't touch it. So don't talk to me about science based things about people getting outside and stuff like that. You can't cherry pick. Science doesn't cherry pick stuff. All right. Science, science is stuff. That's what it does <laughs> all over the place. All right. It doesn't cherry pick based on any kind of other motives whatsoever other than the other emotional things. factors. Yeah. And so all they're doing is they're applying an emotional factor, a cause, a political cause behind it, and then deciding that this gathering was dangerous and that none of the other ones were. It's insane. It's insane. Good Lord. It's, you know, it, as always, as most things as we talk about, it would be over the top comical, which it is still over the top comical. If it wasn't a serious deal, it's all it's really just seems all about control. And in fact, all I think all that preacher had to do is say Black Lives Matter one time and mm -hmm. this article doesn't get written. And so I'm not sure why he didn't do that. I'll have to talk to uh, Sean. Um What's his name? Again? Foyt. Foyt. Mr. Foyt. I'll have to ask him um, why he just didn't say BLM even. Just BLM. That's all they had to beginning. say. All they had to say was hashtag BLM to start it and hashtag BLM to end it. And no one would have ever written the article. <laughs> exactly. And it would have been totally safe. No one there would have got the coronavirus because it can't be spread outdoors. And mm -hmm. everything would have been fine. Yeah. Schaffner would never be able to say 100% certainly because, you know, no. would, they would have had the BLM by him. Yeah. You wouldn't yeah. know it. Honestly, if you would have said that, it would have been because he's racist and he's against the cause. So he's right. not going to come out and say that. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah. And uh, regardless of whether or not you're covered by the blood of the lamb at this <laughs> uh, type of gathering, you know? <laughs> I wonder if they just smeared lamb blood <laughs> around each other. Uh, <laughs> like, no, we, would, we would have seen oh. pictures of it if they would have. Uh, <laughs> we would have. All right, so tell me, oh. tell me, Charles, about this, what I think is interesting, this 
kind of semi-free market that's popping up inside of this world called social media. First that, of all, I have to tell you, Magoo said that viruses can only travel up to six, uh, six feet, five inches off the ground. Mm. Oh, I'm safe. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know this or not. Six, eight gate is fake. Um, Home Depot actually has me between six, eight and six, nine. Yeah. Uh, we all know that the angle of that photo was fake, Charlie. It was taken from like three feet off the ground. It was not. It, she, you, I, she even moved the camera. No. I said, put it level. No, it was not level. You were looking down at the picture. You can tell the camera's down at your chest, Charles. Nate, you need to come to Home Depot with me. I don't need to come to Home Depot to know you're lying fiction. about this. I will prove it a fact of, fi- fact of fiction. Uh-uh. No way. This ain't, this ain't rocket surgery, man. I can tell how tall you are, and it's less. It's not. Six, eight gig. <laughs> it's fake. It's fake news, man. All right. And, tell me. Uh, you're right. I'm safe. Because regardless if I'm six seven or six eight, it's higher than six five. So thank you, Magoo, right. for that science. Um, really happy that the virus can't travel that high, and uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm you, just happy about it. You and your brothers and Michael Jordan and a couple other guys, you're all, you're all fine. Uh, yeah. Vince Vaughn's teetering on the level he, right there. Close. I actually yeah. watched Wedding Crashers yesterday. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, you guys all know about uh, this whole Hunter Biden being censored, New York Post, blah, 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 blah. Well, this is coming from Fee, and it's a pretty good article. It said, Big Tech tried to censor the New York Post Hunter Biden story. They made it huge instead. I talked about this on Friday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I said this is a complete backlash because by attempting to censor it, you're just going to angry the the loud, the few and the the loud. loud. (laughs) <laughs> and so they're going to, uh, yeah, they're just going to make it louder, man. Look, elections are messy. As the day of any election gets closer, more stories are leaked as opponents and muck rate, uh, muck ranking, sorry, muck raking journalists try to hurt the opposition's campaign. This process can be ugly. Just ask John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, but it plays an important role in informing voters. It was on display just a few weeks ago when the president Trump's tax returns were leaked and published to call to light the fact that he had limited his federal income tax liability to just $750 in 2016 and 2017. Similarly, a blockbuster report from the New York Post this week asserted that Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, introduced business contacts to his father in an allegedly improper pay-for-influence setup. The Post reported on, quote, a message of appreciation that Vadim Pozanowski... An advisor to the board of Burisma, sorry, allegedly sent Hunter Biden on April 17, 2015, about a year after Hunter joined the Burisma board at a reported salary of up to $50,000 a month. It also reported on salacious images of Hunter Biden using drugs and engaging in uh, sexually explicit acts. The report has been contested. Declared false by the Biden campaign and challenged by left-leaning media outlets, the Washington Post fact-checker, for example, has cast doubt on the authenticity of the emails and the claim that Biden ever met with Pazoski. P-word. Yeah. Does any of this matter? Are the allegations legitimate? It should be up to voters to weigh conflicting reports and decide for themselves. But instead, Silicon Valley tech wizards... (laughs) I like that. <laughs> Decided to throttle and ban the post story, which they presumptively and un, uh, unilaterally declared misinformation across their massive platforms. 
Facebook used its algorithms to try and limit the story's reach, while Twitter took several uh, steps further. Twitter actually locked the New York Post's Twitter account and even banned the president's press secretary for sharing the story. Journalists who shared the link awoke to find their account suspended. The company claimed the article violated its policy on spreading, quote, hacked content, even though it was not proven that it stems from hacking and this policy is rarely applied to other big stories. What about Trump's tax returns <laughs> yeah. that were hacked? Now, but, on a side story on this, Twitter actually, uh, they've kind of stepped back on this a little bit, and they said that they revised their policies on this, that allegedly what what at Jack said was that this was triggered in there and their algorithms and their policies and all that. It violated the policy, and it automatically goes out and and bans the people that shared it and, and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, he's, they said that they've changed the policies on this so they can be a little bit more, people can be a little bit more transparent. So okay. anyway. Not bad. <clears throat> um, but before that, Twitter even limited the ability of users to link to the story and attached a dangerous content warning to existing links. <laughs> this unprecedented restriction, do not open this box. <laughs> <laughs> But I want to open it. No, yeah. don't click on it. <clears throat> but I want to click it. Don't click it. What's in the box? It's dangerous. <laughs> this unprecedented, unprecedented restriction on the free flow of journalism by big tech companies is concerning and represents a rather transparent attempt to protect the Biden campaign. After all, the data do show that employees at tech giants overwhelmingly skew Democrat in their political donations. Yes, it's true that Facebook and Twitter are private companies and have the legal right to limit content on their platform. The First Amendment does not apply to them. This is what we talked about on Friday. But their decision to do so is still morally wrong and counterproductive. Same thing we said on Friday. Folks, listen up. The American political system depends on the free flow of information. It's important that voters can share, debate, and contest information freely and not to have to navigate a web of censorship on the main mediums they've come to rely on in order to do so. Facebook and Twitter's efforts were also counterproductive. Their attempted crackdown uh, totally woefully failed. The story about alleged corruption in the Biden family was initially making something of a splash, but wasn't totally dominating the news. Yet once big tech tried to censor it, the report exploded. It became the prime topic of discussion on cable news, and the censorship itself trended on Twitter, calling much more attention to the story than before. It prompted top 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 lawmakers like Senators Ted Cruz and Josh Hey, uh, Holly, to speak out publicly and draw even more attention to the story. The only reason why I know Josh Holly is because Austin Peterson ran against them. Yeah, yeah. In the Republican primary. Even on Facebook itself, stories about the story, uh, stories about the story's censorship were so widely shared that they dominated the website's rankings. Uh, as Politico, Alex Thompson notes. Yeah, so I didn't put the graph in here, but it's pretty crazy to see. Uh, one thing to note <clears throat> when it comes to uh, them censoring things and people have made this people have uh, talked about this before they talked about it in the congressional hearings the top three pages on Facebook are the Daily Wire which congrats Ben for Facebook being such a massive platform and having the most visited page on on Facebook or the most shared the most reach out of any page on Facebook that's insane good job uh, and then Fox News and then Daily Mail. And then it goes down to CNN and NBC and stuff like that. So before we get too big on their censoring one side of the political aisle and stuff like that, we do need to 
appreciate the fact or at least acknowledge the fact that uh, the the Daily Wire and Fox News are the two top visited traffic pages on Facebook. So there's still a lot that they're not just holding them all the way down. We know that. So I wanted to say that. But what I put in here was, can big tech actually control the spread? <laughs> I don't think they can. So I thought this was really cool because I felt like it's 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 almost, I mean, this is just an analogy or a metaphor or whatever. It's an analogy, but it's almost like a free market in a way. Because even though they tried to get rid of the spread of this content, they couldn't stop the spread of the story of them getting rid of the spread of the content which right. actually pushed the content up higher than what it ever would have been. And so it's really interesting to me to draw these comparisons with, with uh, governments trying to outlaw things, people trying to uh, lock down because of viruses to slow their spreads. Anytime that you try to come over the top of something and force people to stop doing something, it actually had a complete opposite effect here. So you get rid of products and stuff like that, you create a black market, you try to slow the spread, it's not going to not going to happen. You know what you try to slow the spread people are going to do? They're going to gather in thousands to protest you trying to slow the spread. Yeah. That, that's the kind of stuff that's going to happen. So I just thought it was like, pretty like cool to, to see that your, pop up. Like trying to stop your teenager from doing something you don't want them to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's just human nature. Yeah. Like, oh, you told me I couldn't do that. Watch this. Yeah. Watch. Watch this. I mean, had, find a way. Hold my beer. Had they not censored the story? I wouldn't have cared about it whatsoever. I assume everyone in politics is crazy corrupt and and snorting cocaine off of hookers in the hotel rooms all the time, catching it on webcams more than likely. I don't <laughs> care. It's already happening. Yeah. And I assume, that, I assume that about everyone. For all we know, Rand Paul's in there snorting cocaine off a of hooker right now, getting money <laughs> shoveled in the back of his car from someone. I don't care. Yeah. All right. So I wouldn't, probably does. I wouldn't have cared about this whatsoever. I cared Sorry, about Kelly. this. <laughs> Sorry, Kelly. We don't, we don't mean it. Don't talk about her that way. She's a saint. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. No, I only cared about it because they were censoring it. That's the only right. reason I cared. Exactly. Yeah. So because the, are you, yeah. Are you really shocked? Are you, are you absolutely appalled that people in politics and, and their families are privy to lucrative jobs with full of cocaine and sexually explicit acts. No, that's oh. why you get in the politics. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole goal. <laughs> I thought he was going to get presented with a medal or something afterwards for achieving the top notch politician <laughs> kid right there. Right. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. And look, you know, his dad's so proud of him. Yeah. <laughs> so, was he the son that had the cocaine addiction yes that is him so he relapsed obviously if i could someday hear joe biden go the wrong kid died <laughs> <laughs> oh no That's so terrible i was trying to take a drink just now i know i know i just man i can't believe no one's made that <laughs> meme yet i'm not gonna do it someone else do it i'm not doing oh, that Oh man, that's, that's how you uh, get censored right there I, you know, I actually talked about this on Friday, though. I talked about how the story of them trying to censor it is going to be bigger than the actual story, which draws attention to the story they're trying to censor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So but just why try to control this? Like, 
just believe in the free flow of information and you know what let the best ideas win and have you ever seen and outside of you know when there's actual control but have you ever seen in the in the realm of free ideas have you ever seen the wrong ideas win unless there's an element of control involved that's true right i mean so i don't i don't understand why they're so why they want to how they're so hell-bent I mean, look, Joe Biden as a nominee is a perfect example of Democrats not really caring about who becomes president. They they just don't want it to be Trump mm-hmm. because it's not like they're voting Joe for Joe Biden because he's some kind of, you know, saint for the left, by the way. I mean, the guy, I would say, at least public, publicly has said more racist things than Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, it just... Anything, anything to be anti-Trump is just, and it just blows my mind. And look, I'm not a Trump fan. I don't like most of the things that he's done. I like some of the things he's done, but I don't like most of them. Um, and I feel the same way about almost all of our presidents. So yeah, it's not like I'm a Trump fan here, but it just, it, it just blows my mind how people are so willingly to blatantly. And you see this on the right too, by the way. So many people are willing to support Trump. For instance, I had a, a discussion the other day about the, you know, Trump lowering the insulin prices because of uh, with executive order. I'm like, look, I'm glad insulin prices are cheaper. My dad has diabetes and it's it would it's be nice for him to save money on insulin. But you don't do it through the stroke of a pen by the president. It's not how you actually accomplish the goal. And people on the right are just as willing to do the things that that go against supposed their supposed principles all the time and it's infuriating <clears throat> it is ma'am we should start a podcast let's yeah let's rant about this <laughs> on a show what do you want to call it um i don't know i don't know we'll come up with a name anyone has any good names for that podcast let us know good okay evening, liberty this story was also infuriating And I don't know, kind of disgusting a little bit. I want to see what everyone thinks about this. This one's a little bit dearer to me because my mom being a public school teacher, um, and I know what she's had to deal with over the last couple of years. uh, This one is kind of crazy. So it's almost almost deer season too. So yeah, yeah. Like things, I like when things are dearer to you. (laughs) San San Diego public schools will overhaul its grading system to achieve anti-racism. They're going to overhaul their grading system because to stop it from being racist. I can't even can, don't, like, don't even read this. The, can can there's something that Thomas Sowell talked about a lot. I don't know if he's the one who kind of came up with the phrase or was just talking about it, but this he called it the soft bigotry of low expectations. And if people don't understand how this is racist then they they clearly <clears throat> went to a public school. San Diego's public schools want to be anti-racist. So they're abolishing the traditional grading system. This is part of this is from Reason by the way. Quote, this is part of our honest reckoning as a school district. San Diego Unified School District VP Richard Barrera told a local NBC affiliate, if we're actually going to be anti-racist school district, we have to confront practices like this that have gone on for years and years, which is grading people based on the work that they do. That's how you stop people from being racist. 
stop grading them based on the work that they do. <clears throat> Ma'am, I just got a got a frog in my throat. District officials evidently believe that the practice of grading students based on their average score is racist. And that an active effort to dismantle racism necessitates a learning environment free of the pressure to turn in assignments on time. As evidence for the urgency of these changes, the district released data showing that minority students receive more D's and F's than white students. Therefore, they have to change the grading scale. Just 7% of whites received failing grades, as opposed to 23% of Native Americans, 23% of Hispanics, and 20% of black students. Under the new system, students will not be penalized for failing to complete assignments. Charlie? Under the new system, students will not be penalized for failing to complete assignments. And teachers will give them extra opportunities to demonstrate mastery of the subjects outside of the normal assignments and tests. The grades they receive upon completion of a course will no longer reflect their average test and assignment scores. Common grading practices such as averaging the student's grade over time can disadvantage students who started the year behind <clears throat> grade level and can discredit the progress a student has made. Experts have said, noted the San Diego Union Tribune. It's crazy. It's disgusting, actually. I'm a little bit yeah. disgusted by this. The new approach, which is rather confusingly written, still includes letter grades, but these will reflect the student's mastery of the subject rather than their completion of homework, quizzes, and tests, meaning the, the teacher gets to give you a grade based on whether or not they think you have some type of understanding on the subjects. What constitutes mastery is left unexplained. Grades shall not be influenced by behavior of factors that directly measure students' knowledge and skills in the content area, which sounds like a recipe for highly subjective grading. That is correct. Subjective grading and a great deal of leniency will now be given the students who don't do the work for a course, including those who don't show up at all. Attendance can no longer be a factor in grading. In any case, ending these kinds of grades doesn't actually eliminate the underlying inequities that produce the, the disparate Fs. It may actually cover those inequities up. Given the grades are a tool for evaluating students' progress, the, dis the district is essentially announcing that it will no longer gather as much evidence about the negative social phenomena it would probably like to address. Better grades do not mean students will suddenly have a better grasp of the material. They certainly won't be, be better prepared for college. Indeed, this comes perilously close to addressing poverty by no longer tallying the number of homeless people. Or to use a timely example, President Donald Trump's frustration that increasing COVID-19 testing will make the epidemic look worse. COVID-19 cases exist even if they go undetected. Similarly, minority students who are fail falling behind their classmates will be falling behind even if their teachers aren't giving them Fs. Already, you're already <clears> seeing <throat> this anyway. I, mean, I know. You're already past people who can't even read. Yeah. So I guess they're making it official. I don't know. Yeah. It's... It's pretty. There's already been a lot of other people, that, which is what they end with. Eliminating grades and standardized testing has become something of a crusade. Now, we can talk about the standardized testing and stuff like that. There's a line on here. And now, the libertarian answer is going to be, well, we shouldn't have public schools. Okay. I agree. I agree, I agree with that. Let's talk about Let's talk about the ideas that are being put forward here in the public schools. Because what I care a lot about are the actual kids that are there right now and and how we can at least talk about um, helping them, which is not by not paying attention to whether or not they're doing a good job on the subjects. That doesn't actually help. 
doesn't help anyone. And it actually sets them up for a lot worse life. This is something that really bothers me because my mom last year, the year before, left the school that she, she was basically pushed out of after threats from parents and, <clears throat> and students because she and, and being called racist for what? Because she assigned homework. And if people didn't turn in the homework, then she would give them a zero on the homework. And she would have tests. And if you didn't do the test, you, if you refuse to do the test, like a lot of students just do in class, then they would get zeros on the test. Hmm. And then they would end up failing. Now, do you think that matters? No. The school will just yeah, send them on to the next grade. That's all that would happen. Right. But because she was giving people zeros for not turning in their homework ever, refusing to do their homework, refusing to do any work in class, she was called a racist. She was threatened by parents, literally physically threatened by parents and students. Um, I'm talking like third graders. So this is what we're dealing with right now. And if we don't want to talk about the public schooling system, because in our, in our libertarian utopia, there wouldn't be one. And that's how you fix the problem. That's fine. Let's talk about the idea behind it instead. Like, what does this mean? Yeah. What does this actually mean? This is just like this, in my opinion, is blatant racism, actual racism in action where you decide that there's no way the black kids are going to do as good as the white kids. So we have to lower our standards. That's insane. And that's actual racism to me. It's yeah. actual bigotry. The live group is pretty funny right now. Are they? <laughs> just so you know. <clears throat> yeah. Jeremy says, just don't measure it. It won't count. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's kind of the, that's kind of the thing. And Magoo says, Hey man, accountability is just racism spelled funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like, why are we not holding, you know, people at least to a certain standards? Now, look, I don't agree with the education system. I think there's a lot of people who learn completely different ways in this whole standardized uh, thing. And honestly, George Bush's No Child Left Behind Act that, you know, even more standardized from a federal level that, you know, students have to meet certain types of things, let's so to speak or whatever. Um, really my ideal education system would be to find the strengths of the student and, and allow them to critically think uh, alongside their strengths, because not every kid is going to ace their math test because some kids are just never going to be good at math ever. Yeah. But there so has, there's, I would say if I was running a school, a private school, there's got to be a line on that. Like a kid who hasn't been presented with any numbers or any arithmetic uh, whatsoever, math is not going to be their strong suit. So you're going to say, hey, what's your strong suit? Oh, color in books. Okay, you know what you need to do? We're going to focus on can color in this book really well, good. that's not what I'm meaning. You know? you know what I mean. You know what I mean. You're taking it out of context <laughs> yeah. is what I'm saying. What I mean by is like not every kid learns the same way. So the, the standardized way that we have things done right now what I mean is like not one size fits all. Yeah. So I think there has to be changes within the education system, but you should definitely hold your students accountable as they would anywhere else in life. Right. I mean, if you just walk through life with your feelings and be like, wow, I just didn't feel like doing anything today, but can you still pay me because I have to pay my bills? <clears throat> and then when they're like, no, we're not going to do that because you didn't do anything you don't get to throw a fit and the, and the company lowers their standards for you. That's not how it works. And I feel like we're, we're just raising generations of people who just, to, there's, they just get to do whatever. 
And that is why I brought up the article. That that was what I, that is the idea that I'm talking about what you just said right there. That's why this article is important. It's not about what are we going to do for public school policy. Now, I would like to talk about whether or not these kids are going to just be illiterate and then have terrible lives and our tax money or California's tax money is going towards that. We should probably talk about that sometime. But um, the bigger issue here is what are kids being taught? What is the ideology here behind this? The ideology is you can do whatever you want. If there's actually something that needs done, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. And you should still get the same outcome as every other person. What's that sound like? Equity. What's that sound like? Yeah, it sounds like a little bit of socialism right there, man. Mm-hmm. Thanks to socialism. I can smell it right now. Do each according to their... <clears throat> Once and to each according to their desires. It's that's exactly how and to the each, same was. We yeah, all, we all love Tiny Tim <laughs> in a helicopter. <laughs> in a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> Our Lord, art, thou, art, his sword. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, my problem with this is the idea is. You should not have to do the work and you should still get the same outcome as everyone else. That is yeah. what you boil this out. And that is what you boil this idea all the way down to. And that is a problem. That's a really big problem. If you're into boiling things. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's tough to boil. OK, man, yep. that frog don't, don't boil. Watch it, though. Don't watch it because it won't boil if you watch it. No, Take watch that back. It doesn't. And you'll see there. <laughs> I mean, there in, in especially in you know, Metro schools, even here in Nashville, um, like the, the high school seniors can't even read at a second grade level. It's like, what are you going to, what are you going to do in life? Autocorrect, man. <laughs> Voice dictation. I'm not saying you, know? you have to be good at spelling. Audiobooks. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting. I Very know. Interesting. <clears throat> All right. So this one is for you because we got a little bit of, got a little bit of Pareto popping out over here. And uh, I thought this was really interesting. These people throw out this throughout this idea. I saw this on Business Insider. This it's obviously this, racist too. So yeah, this originally came from Business Insider, and they require you to subscribe. And I'm not going to give them my money, so I just searched the the thing. And luckily, someone else who subscribes to them had ripped off the article and put it up. Right. So <laughs> nice. So, so, so originally from good. Business Insider, this yeah. is from FreshNewsNow.com. Go check out all that freshness here. The Pareto distribution, which is obviously a racist theory, um, just so you guys know. Um, so just 0.4% of channels on YouTube get the bulk of views and subscribers, a new study suggests. There's now empirical proof that it is extremely hard to make a living on YouTube. An analyst of 36 million YouTube channels has helped unlock the shape and size of the video sharing platform and lifted the lid on some of the secrets to success. Researchers at the University of Amsterdam and Barcelona, as well as Queensland University of Technology in Australia, crawled millions of YouTube channels using the site's API. Their research was published in the peer-reviewed journal First Monday and will be presented at the Association of Interest Researchers Conference later in October. That sounds like an amazing conference. I can't wait to go to that conference. Sign up, the Association of Internet Researchers. The parties in the hotel are going to be nuts, man. It's It's crazy. (laughs) Quote, what they found uh, is the best yet insight into the gulf between success and failure on the platform. Quote, for the first time, we were confronted with this large scale quantitative data, said Oscar uh, Coramina, 
of the University um, of Barcelona in Spain. It's Barcelona. Yeah, <laughs> Barcelona. <laughs> we were able to see the empirical evidence. Out of the 36.3 million channels captured in the data, just 4.4 million have more than 1,000 subscribers. That's only 12%, making them eligible for monetization by YouTube. Just 0.42% of channels, 153,770 in total, have more than 100,000 subscribers. And while these bigger channels account for fewer than 1 in 10 videos posted on the platform, they lay claim to 62% of views. This is, okay, can we just... Yes. <laughs> can you please relate this to uh, wealth and slash income inequality real quick? It's the same. It's the same. It's the same. Yes. <laughs> we, could, we could do this on planets. I know. And galaxies. It would be the same. Uh... You know, some galaxies have all the stars, and that's not fair. Why do they have so many stars? They're much brighter yeah. than our stars. It's not fair. They are also more likely to have posted a large number of videos, around 940, compared to 26 with those with fewer than 1,000 subscribers. So not only are they the most hyper-successful of channels, but they've also put forward more work than all the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> now, let's talk about the super elite on YouTube. <laughs> the one percent Yeah. The super elite on YouTube, those with more than a million subscribers, are in an even more rarefied world. Just 15,500 out of the 36 million surveyed have more than a million subscribers, but account for more than a third of the views worldwide. In other words, just 0.04% hit more than 1 million subscribers. Many YouTubers rely on a second platform like Patreon to bolster their income. Second job. Overall, the data shows just how tough it is to become a popular channel on YouTube and earn enough to make a living. <sighs> Dude, it's amazing. Yeah, it's so, amazing how those who have more than 100,000 subscribers also post around 940 videos compared to 26. It's I mean, that's how many how many more times is that? That's a lot more times. It's several more times. Yeah. Yeah. At least almost 500. It's at least more. 50, almost 50 more times the amount of work that those who have less than a thousand subscribers do. It's just. If you run through these, like out of the 36 million channels, 4.4 million have more than a thousand subscribers. Now that's already at 12%. That makes them eligible to make money. But just 0.4% of the channels have more than a hundred thousand subscribers. And then they account for fewer than one in 10 videos posted on the platform, yet they get 62% of the views. So 0.4% account for 62% of the views. Isn't this crazy? So when I read this, I was like, man, what if you talked about wealth when you were looking at this? Can you really say, now, of course, our system is set up a little bit skewed towards helping wealthy people, but also once you have more money, it's going to be easier to make more money. Yeah. That's just how life is. And then something like YouTube. percent of a million is a <clears throat> lot more than 1% of, of a thousand. Yeah. Something like YouTube where there, there's not... None of these people who have all the subscribers and all the views have found a way to cheat the little YouTube channels out of their views in any kind of way. They're not stealing views from the other channels. All right. People are freely giving them their time. So what if they, what if they created internet trolls, man, to go around and steal views? 
it's just, divert your eyes away from the cat videos over to their videos. Now there's a <laughs> there's a bit of a vicious cycle here, but it also happens in real life. Because once you have more money, it's easier to make more money. You got more disposable income. You got more money for investing. You have the higher ability to make more money. Also on YouTube, well, you can't monetize until you have a thousand people subscribe to your channel, which means that you can't really grow as fast as the other channels because you can't use the monetization money to actually uh, promote and advertise your channel if that's the way that you need to, to make the money. And so you can't even get to that point until you reach a thousand views so, or a thousand subscribers. Sorry. So this, it's still, it's so crazy how YouTube just kind of modeled uh, life, the economy, because it's yeah. all just a, it's all just a market. It's all just a big Pareto distribution. That's just how it's going to be. A very small percentage of the people are going to get most of the subscribers, the views, most of the wealth. All of that. And that's just a naturally occurring phenomenon. We don't have to blame it on the people that are at the top because just like me starting a YouTube channel today, it's not, it's not Ben Shapiro's fault that I've only got 10 subscribers. It's not his fault. He didn't take any from me. All I got to do is come in and get those people to come over to my channel. I mean, we probably, with this podcast, we probably put out a hundred mm. episodes with only a couple hundred people listening. Yeah. For, and that was a long time, a lot of, lot of hours put in with no return yeah. what, whatsoever. And then, and that's the way it works because you're not going to get advertisers to be on your show, by the way, advertisers, you're not going to get people to come on your show and advertise if you don't have many people watching, but it's hard to get people to watch if you don't run ads on other people's shows or on other platforms. And if you don't have the money to do that, and then you can't get the money from the advertisers to push your show, well... You're kind of you're kind of up shit's creek without a boat. So mm -hmm. is that well, like my granddaddy hole, used to tell me? Boat has hose in it. <laughs> yeah. That might be the problem. <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, <laughs> tell me tell Stop me about doing cocaine and strippers and put that money towards your business. <laughs> we, Biden. we waited too long here, but you gotta tell me about being a real libertarian. I do. Well, guys, don't you want to be a real libertarian? Well, there is a way to do that. That's by going to expatmoneyshow.com. That's E-X-P-A-T moneyshow.com, where you guys can learn how to live like a true libertarian. So we always talk about these ideas. We talk about the, the principles of living like a libertarian. Taxation is theft. And if you truly believe that, well, then there's a way to legally reduce your tax bill and you can relocate to a peaceful country that doesn't have an aggressive antagonistic government and military. Learn that from our friend, Mikhail Thurup. We interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. Great guy. And his information is absolutely fabulous. I'm thinking about moving to Panama. If I can convince the lady and my child to do so, then uh, we might just move to Panama. I don't know. I could stream this show from Panama. I know I can. And so <laughs> Um, you guys can take advantage of all that information as well by uh, listening to the expat money show, the new episodes every single Friday. They also have a growing forum and Facebook group. So check out expatmoneyshow.com, E-X-P-A-T moneyshow.com. Listen to what he has to say, read his book, get all the information and decide if being a real libertarian is for you, or if you're just going to talk about it. <laughs> you can actually live the life of a libertarian yeah. like Mikhail is pretty awesome. Expatmoneyshow.com. 
I love yes. having this live group over here. I wouldn't know what to do without the live group. Everyone's got to, <laughs> everyone's got to go join on Patreon. Go do it ASAP. And uh, I mean, Wes just said, I once rode a boat back to dock with a net. True story. That's that's a pretty good story, ma'am. Got to see the pictures. But Who I was believe that? was Lieutenant Dan. On I there? surely do believe it. He rode it back to dock without. You know, I saw Pierce Brosnan row a row a boat back to the dock with a shirt one time when the volcano was erupting. So. I mean, you guys got to, he went up to you on that one. Yeah. Okay. All right. So anyway. I started singing, row your boat. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so if you guys are interested in learning how to day trade, then go to mastermystonks.com. Just go do it. All right. The time is now. All right. The better time is yesterday. The best time is now. Market was down today. Down a bunch. Yeah. I made a, I made a fast 200 bucks on futures because I was like, you know what? market's gonna go down so i got short got short on that mug man it's weird when the market goes down you can still make money still make money that? when the market's going down it just hmm. don't matter what direction it's going man you can still make money and so we can teach you how to find those patterns how to find all the stocks that are popping in the morning just go to mastermystonks.com even if you don't know a word yet when it comes to stonks and you can get on there and start learning all the vocab all the good stuff how to use your charts how to read your charts what strategies we use, all those good things, go to mastermystonks.com. As Nate said, join the Patreon group. Guys, we have a lot of fun in there. The Patreon numbers keep going up too, by the way, as as well as all the numbers. So we appreciate y'all's support. And for as little as five bucks a month, with, which goes directly into continuing to grow the show because we're never satisfied. That's another thing libertarians have in common. We're never satisfied. So we want to continue to grow the show and spread this message. That's one way that we can get our ideas across. So join the Patreon group and, and help support what we're doing. You can join for as little as five bucks a month or as some other people in here, I'll, I'll call out Sam here. You know, he, he pays more because he believes in what we're doing. And we appreciate all that. There's $10 or $20 or $100 a month, whatever you can afford and whatever you're willing to put towards what you actually believe in. And uh, if you don't believe in it, well, that's fine. Then, uh, <laughs> you know, then don't join. But the the you, amount of money you pay monthly is a direct measure of how much you care about Liberty. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and we look at these numbers every day, by the way. So we know the ones who actually care. So <laughs> patreon.com slash good morning liberty. That's patreon.com slash good morning liberty. Get involved. And then please continue to share the show. As I said, the numbers keep climbing and we really, really appreciate that. And it's uh, mostly because of y'all, mostly because of you guys taking the time to share it with your communist uncle, telling him how wrong he is and say, listen to these guys talk dumb for an hour. And <laughs> they'll set you straight. <laughs> That's how it works. So leave us that rating and review. Those algorithms work. So leave us that rating and review. Even if you already have, leave one, leave another one. Who, who knows? And if you do all of that, we'll be back again tomorrow. We'll uh, hope you guys have a good day and a good morning Liberty. Oh. I wanted to tell everyone that if they already left a review on the app, then just, Send in their mail-in review, <laughs> and we would uh, get that one counted, too. <laughs> yeah.